righty, we're getting ready to do real-life real estate investing here. Vina was out buying my gift, so we'll be having that show right after this. UMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859 292 7342. And we'll do a real quick check on traffic here. We have an accident North 75 at Dixie Highway in Kentucky and a disabled on eastbound Norwood Lateral near Paddock blocking the left lane. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for all the best news information tips techniques and tactics in the real estate investing world and today as we wind down 2010 we are doing two things with the show we are doing a tax update to get your last minute tax planning taken care of with John Heyer Esquire and also we're going to have a brief interlude about mid-show here to talk to John Zorer, new Cincinnati real estate investor transplant who came on the show about a month ago and declared he was going to be a bazillionaire in Cincinnati real estate within, I don't know, a year or so. We are certainly taking your calls, especially about your tax questions at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Also your emails at askvina at gmail.com. This is your big chance to get those last minute tax prep questions answered. And I know you don't want to be thinking about them because it's Christmas time. But if you wait until after New Year's, guess what? It's too late. Your tax planning for 2011 at that point. So let's go ahead and get started with our tax tips of the seasons with John Heyer, who is joining us by cell phone from a trailer park somewhere in Indiana. John, <laughs> welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Good to be here. I, I near the trailer park and on Real Life Real Estate. Yes, I should, I should, I should probably explain it's a trailer park you own, not that you live in. Not anymore. <laughs> because uh yeah it's on somebody's uh, telling you somebody's a tax attorney and he's calling from a trailer park maybe not so good so uh it's the end of the year and i know one of the things that that drives you crazy in your tax practice is when people call you on january the 2nd and say what should i do to save taxes in 2010 
So we're going to talk about uh, some things that folks ought to be looking at and planning for and uh, some changes in the tax law that are coming up. uh, And if they don't take care of them by the end of 2010, it's going to be too late. So let's start out with the Roth 401k. Tell us about what's going on with that. Sure. The Roth 401k, it's a fairly new thing. It's like a regular 401k, except instead of getting a tax deduction up front when you put the money in, you put the money in after tax, but then when you take it out when you retire, you take it out tax-free. And if you do the numbers, generally, that's a way better deal than putting it in with a tax deduction because the size and amount that you take out tax-free later, especially if you're a real estate investor and can invest at a really high rate of return, is just phenomenal. The problem is this. The provisions that created the 401k Roth expire at the end of this year. Now, they may or may not extend them, but I wouldn't wait to find out. In other words, I would get one of those set up yesterday. Uh, and I'd get the, I'd literally, if it's of interest to you, I'd get the ball rolling now because the final week of the year, all the administrators that set these up are going to be absolutely swamped. While we're on the topic of retirement, there is one thing that you can do in 2011 to get a 2010 write-off. If you have a retirement account, including a 401k Roth set up at the end of December, then contributions that you make in 2011 may apply to 2010. So that is the one thing you can do in 2011, and it still helps you for 2010. Otherwise, if you miss January, or sorry, December 31st, you're out of luck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so retirement plan, let's not forget dealing with that before the end of the year. Are there any other big tax changes that are going to affect us in, in 2010 or that we need to deal with this year? hard to read the mind of Congress, and I use the term loosely, attributing any sort of mental power to politicians is very, very charitable. (laughs) However, I will say most of it looks like what's going on now is that they're going to extend the majority of the rates and of the tax provisions, or at least that's their intention. So we're thinking there won't be too many changes tax-wise. You just never know is the problem. It's never certain. So if there's anything that you want to make sure it's in place before the end of the year because it could change next year, even though the politicians promised it wouldn't change and they would never, ever break a promise. That's what you really want to look at. But by and large, it looks like they're going to extend the Bush tax cuts and they're going to extend most of the other provisions of law. The only one that really worried me was that 401k Roth thing because it's so easy for them to miss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. I want to remind listeners that your questions about your last-minute tax planning, 772 or you can email us at askvina at gmail.com. Now, uh, John, before the show, I got a, a fairly complex question that I'm going to try and summarize here rather, rather than read the whole thing, and it's related to what we were just talking about. Russell has an old 401k that he rolled into a traditional IRA. Now he is converting that IRA over to a self-directed IRA so that he can invest in real estate with it. His uh, plan administrator suggested that he roll it over into a Roth IRA because of some ability to pay the taxes over multiple years. That's a beautiful question. What's happening is this. 2010 is a special year. 
couple of ways it's special. One, if you want to convert from a regular IRA to a Roth IRA, for most investors who can invest at high rates, that makes huge sense. This is the best year to do it for two reasons. One, normally to do this rollover, you have to show that you make less than a hundred grand a year. They waive that rule for this year. So regardless of your income level, meaning if you're high income and you normally couldn't roll over to a Roth, this year you can. Now, when you roll over to a Roth, whatever you roll over into the Roth from regular, you pay tax on. So, for example, if you roll over $50,000, your income goes up by fifty grand, and you pay tax on it. But if you look at the net present value of investing through a Roth, that's normally a good trade-off. The good news is, in addition to being able to do it this year, even if you have a very high income, is that you can spread the tax hit out over two years. So instead of eating the tax in one year, they let you spread it out over two years. So that's a, that's a great technique. It's a net present value calculation. Tell us how much tax you're going to pay on the rollover. Tell us how long you have until you decide to take the money out, 59 and a half or later, and tell us what you think your estimated rate of return is. We can run an Excel spreadsheet that says, here's what it's worth to you, literally, to, to do this rollover. What's your return on the tax money you pay now? And usually it's huge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and he had a, he had a couple of other questions related to this. One of which you just answered, which was does the does the rollover add to his yearly income? Uh, he says this year he was a part time college student and had a very low income. Does that that make it the case that it makes sense to change it over this year? Yeah, I mean, if you can get your income down this year, or your income already was down, then it makes crazy sense to roll over. Let's say you're in a position where you had some losses and you can roll over without paying tax, meaning you can convert from a regular IRA or 401k to a Roth-style account, and you don't pay any tax up front because you had losses or low income this year. That is a no-brainer. The present value on that is huge. Basically, everything you grow inside of that account, later on, you can take it out tax-free. Let me give you one example of what I'm looking to do personally through a 401k Roth. I'm looking to buy Section 8 properties for about 25 grand in Columbus. I can get those at 25 grand to rent at about 700. Once I've done that, I have an LLC that is owned by the by the retirement plan. I find a partner who's a non-related party. We have a whole bunch of rules we don't want to break. I get them to pitch in 25 grand to the LLC as a partner. They get half of the money from the LLC my Roth takes back its original investment. So now it owns half of a piece of real estate held in LLC. We have an outside party that owns half, but most importantly, my Roth has its money back to go buy more real estate. That is a legal perpetual motion machine. Don't try it at home. Seek advice. But it sounds like a lot of fun to me, especially because the rents that come from that and the property when it's distributed on retirement, no tax. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, he has one final question, which is, uh, basically, am I going to pay the taxes out of the IRA rollover, or do I have to pay them out of my income over the next couple of years? Well, you pay the taxes personally. So the tax is not imposed on the IRA. It's imposed on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so it cannot be paid from the IRA. Is that correct? Correct. It needs to be. I don't advise it. If you took money out of the IRA to pay the tax, that would be considered an early distribution and you'd pay penalties on it. 
So technically you can do it. I just don't think it's a good idea. You really want to pay any tax out of your own personal income uh, over the years, if, if need be. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, very good. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We are talking today to John Heyer, who is a tax attorney and is here to help you with any last minute tax planning questions for 2010. 772 or 877 are the numbers to call, or you can send us an email by sending it to askvina at gmail.com. Uh, now, John, just uh, you, you work with a lot of real estate folks. I mean, not just residential folks, but commercial and note buyers and all of those kinds of things. What, what are the most common things that you're seeing people miss in the way of, thing, of what would save them on taxes? Is, 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 is there something you see in common where you go, wow, if you'd have just done this, your taxes would have been a lot lower. Talking to a tax professional ahead of time. A lot of the time, people have a good tax professional. They just won't talk to them until it's time to do the return. So, A, let them know what you're doing. Now, every time you talk to them, they may not come up with something. But if you don't talk to them, I guarantee you're going to miss something. Second, the good record keeping. A lot of the time, people work really hard to get great deductions, and then they don't do what they have to do to prove it. Now, in terms of specific deductions that people tend to miss, I would say probably not aggressive enough on depreciation on the rental properties. They don't look at those properties and depreciate every little thing they can. Uh, It's pretty well known to people who read you can depreciate things like sidewalks, landscaping, uh, carpeting depreciates at a much faster rate, etc. So I, I see people miss that a good bit. A lot of the time, they forget to take losses from prior years, also known as net operating losses. I'm amazed, just floored by the number of people whose tax software or tax accountant forget to take the net operating loss on their tax return. They just pretty much bleep, delete, get rid of prior year losses that could save them tons and tons of money. Very, very common. There's a few thoughts. Last few years, net operating losses have been a little different in that you can take them back five years instead of just two years. A lot of people have missed that. We've seen all kinds of amendments because of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, uh, another question, John, that, that this, is, this is actually for me before I start reading questions from, uh, from some of our uh, listeners here who are mostly sending them in to askfeen at gmail.com because they're big chickens and they don't want to talk on the phone on the radio. Um, this has actually been a good year for a lot of real estate investors. There were, there were a couple of years there in a row where everybody was trying to figure out what the new market was about. And I'm talking to a lot of people who in 2010, for the first time in several years, are making a sizable cash profit, not, not just what they're getting in rentals and, and can, can deduct. If one finds oneself in that position... Is there any way to perhaps move some 2011 expenses into 2010 in this last week of the year just to just to straighten things out so that we can actually plan for next year? Because I don't think anybody planned to make any money this year. You can prepay within reason, and and that's that's debatable, I suppose. What's reasonable? Uh, if you prepay two years of expenses, there's no way you're going to get away with it. If you re- prepay a month's worth, you'll clearly get away with it. If you prepay a few months' worth, 
probably you'll get away with it. It depends on the nature of the expense. So there are things that can be prepaid. Anything that you can buy ahead of time, assuming your bracket next year is, in fact, not going to be a whole lot lower, right? Because some people, for whatever reason, maybe they had a huge windfall this year, and next year looks like it'll be more modest. Those people actually want to push expenses in the 2011. That's rare, but it does happen. For most people, and give you a great example, um, my tax return software that we use at the firm costs about 5000 bucks, and I can buy it now or I can buy it next year. Generally, it makes sense for me to buy it now. Let me backtrack to one question you asked. Is there anything big that's going to change for 2011? There is one, and it's an important one. If you have a services business, so this is not flipping real estate, if you have some sort of services business, which a lot of real estate investor types do, I have a services business, the tax practice. If you're talking about real estate agents or appraisers or other people who provide services, and those services are subject to Social Security tax, it has been a common legal means to lower Social Security tax to use an S corporation. Well, the anti-business people in Congress and the anti-business person in the White House created a bill directed against small businesses here. It says if you provide services of certain types, which most professional services are included, if you provide services and you're using an S corporation to reduce self-employment tax or Social Security tax, if that business has three or fewer people and the business is depending on the expertise and experience and reputation of those people, you no longer get to reduce your self-employment tax. You must pay full self-employment tax on the income of that business, even if it was generated by people other than you. It is a blatantly, horribly anti-small business bill because if you hear the number, three or fewer people. So if you have a big company, 15 people doing that, well, that's okay. We're not going to stick it to you. But if three or fewer people are using an S corporation that provides services to reduce self-employment social security tax, that loophole is now dead in the water. There is one potential way around that. In certain situations, a limited partnership, so you, you take the business and you move it to a limited partnership, can get you the same result. So be aware of that. We actually changed our business substantially because we used to use the S corporation and that is dead in the water. Thank you, Congress. <laughs> Very good. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to spend about five minutes on the phone with uh, John Zorer after that to talk about what he's doing. And then we will come back to John Heyer talking about your tax questions. You can give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Support comes from the Hamilton County Park District, offering a number of facilities to host your after-the-holidays holiday party. That's when availability is greater and your staff can relax and enjoy themselves with a company party after the hectic holidays. The Hamilton County Park District has all the details. They're now taking reservations at 521 Park. That's the Corporate Guest Service at 513-521-PARK or at greatparks.org. And we check on traffic right now, and we have an accident on State Street at Wolf Angle. Uh, also uh, cleared the disabled on eastbound Norwood Lateral near Paddock. We slow up on northbound 71 at Hopple, off and on through Pfeiffer, south 71 at Pfeiffer, down near Reading. North 75 slows up around Harrison, and again at Glendale Milford, southbound 75 slows up Western Avenue to the Brent Spence Bridge. Your forecast tonight, cloudy this evening. Partly cloudy late tonight, a low of 22. 
Tomorrow, mostly cloudy again, a high of 32 degrees. Friday, high around 30 degrees and a slight chance of some snow flurries, but no big accumulations. Uh, now they're saying for the weekend, uh, Christmas Day cloudy with a high around 28. Right now, we are right around 30 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Support comes from St. Vincent de Paul. In today's difficult economy, local families who have never had to ask for help are now in desperate need of food, clothing, and shelter. St. Vincent de Paul's vehicle donation program is a way for you to help. By donating your unneeded car, truck, or motorcycle, you can ensure that a needy family gets help with the basics to survive and may qualify for a tax deduction. For a free pickup, St. Vincent de Paul, 513-421-CARE. That's 513-421-CARE. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're really talking today about taxes, but we're going to take a brief time out to talk to John Zorer, our recent Cincinnati transplant, who was on the show just a couple of weeks ago talking about all the great stuff he was going to do uh, here and his move to Cincinnati and is sort of an object lesson to those of you who, I don't know, keep saying that for years on end and don't. Uh, John, are you with us? Yeah, I'm here. How are you? <laughs> We're good, John. Uh, give us give us the 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 brief the brief blow by blow of what has happened since you were last on Real Life Real Estate a few weeks back. Well, it's been really cold here in Cincinnati. <laughs> that's one thing. And uh, we kind of you know, really hit the ground running. Got our marketing off the ground first. Uh, can't really tell you who my secret target market is because <laughs> then I would give up all the deals that we're finding. We already found. Uh, two deals that we actually have under contract, one in Hamilton, one in Morrow, both multifamilies. Uh, one, the one in Hamilton is a three-family, and the one in Morrow is actually a two-family right on the little Miami River. It's a great little brick building. I'm actually standing outside of it right now trying to figure out where to hide the keys because I forgot my lockbox. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've really been uh, aggressively marketing for sellers, talking to a lot, a lot of folks, and also been very aggressively marketing for buyers, you know, not only just using traditional methods, but going online. Today, uh, I was out, I put up, uh, actually, I'm still in the middle of putting up 60 uh, bandit signs, handwritten bandit signs to target buyers, and that's, uh, I believe, is going to really work like gangbusters, and um, so I got about 19 more to put out had to stop over here because I'm doing a video and taking pictures of the Morrow deal because i got to blast that out to the buyer's list, blast it out online, blast it out on social media. Mm-hmm. So really just uh, getting a whole bunch of buzz going on. So Does that answer your question? I gather, I gather that these are wholesale deals. Yes, not, not, definitely wholesale deals. Okay, not ones that you plan to keep. And I know we, we not only cannot predict this, but often we like to not add it up beforehand because we're um, we're uh, superstitious. But w- what is your approximate guess about what these deals are going to turn up for you money-wise? Um, probably somewhere in the range of ten to $12,000, you know, uh, I, I, that's I guess that's a that's a conservative guess, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I think it'll really just take two weeks to get them done. I mm-hmm. mean, the hard hardest part's already done. We already got them locked up mm-hmm. under contract at you know decent prices. Now we just have to get in front of the people uh, who want to buy them, you know, because we're brand new and we don't really have a buyers list out here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so far, 
uh, talked to a lot of sellers, and 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 I did hear you say sellers not that not that you are right now pursuing the uh, MLS strategy. You're not going through real estate agents. You're going directly to sellers, and uh, got them tied up. Going to wholesale them. Maybe not in the next two days because Christmas is coming up. (laughs) But uh, hey, you know what? Christmas is coming up. So all of you folks out there, (laughs) hey, holiday presents, public radio, public radio, no advertising. I'm not going to say my name, but hey, you know, you never say never. You want to buy this deal for me on Christmas Day? I'll come meet you out here in Hamilton or Morrow. Yeah, it's all good. I'm, you know, every day you got to work. So, yeah, but I know the rules are public radio. I'm not going to mess it up like Howard Stern. Okay. So, it's all good. So, um, so things are going as planned. Uh, No, no money in the pocket yet, but then again, it only has been, what, two and a half, three weeks. And uh, we will check back with you in another few weeks and see if all this came together the way you had expected. And if you are going to meet all those goals that you threw out there here on Real Life Real Estate a couple of weeks back. That's right, and I look forward to it. And uh, somebody come buy these deals for me so I don't have to be putting out these bandits. <laughs> all right, it's all right. really cold. All right, all, all right. right. Yeah, enough. Okay. Uh, so John's in line to do what he said he was going to do. And we're going to go back to the other John, uh, who is maybe not quite as excited, but has lots of good information for us about tax stuff and John while we were on our little John Zora break there um, I did get some questions here via email okay okay uh, one is from Bob in Seattle it is titled UBIT question <laughs> so it is uh, this I have two LLC's owned completely by each of my self-directed IRA one's a Roth the other is a beneficiary IRA not quite sure what that is the LLC's are each owned by each IRA. So if LLC one loans money to LLC two for the purchase of rental property, is there a UBIT for the loan to LLC two? Um, now, two issues. Let's, a, let, let's, a, first, let's first tell the folks who don't have any idea what we're talking about what UBIT is. Okay. Your pension is normally tax exempt. However, it may be taxed by something we call unrelated business income tax. Now, if we want to talk English, we'll just call it pension tax. Your pension may be hit by UBIT, a.k.a. pension tax, if it does one of two things. If it borrows, and that's assuming it's a legal and correct borrowing, which I want to talk about in a second, assuming it borrows correctly, to the extent it borrows, the profits generated by leverage are taxable. So if I buy a property with 80% leverage, you can expect that roughly 80% of the profit, be it cash flow or on sale, is going to be taxable. Uh, you, can, you can cleanse debt. So if I have debt on a property in my IRA and I manage to pay it off and let the property sit for one year and then sell it, I avoid you better tax. The other way to pay tax on your IRA is if it has a trader business. For example, you have a flipping rehab business inside of your IRA. Now, you can have some properties you buy, sell in your IRA. You might even be able to do a little bit of rehab in your IRA. But once you do enough of it that it's an actual business in your IRA, it is taxable. So if you are lending your IRA money indirectly through an LLC, you will create UBIT. Furthermore, the IRAs that we're talking about are probably related parties, and that is probably a prohibited transaction for one to lend to the other. I don't know enough 
about the facts to say for sure. But the first thing that sets off an alarm bell for me is when you have related IRAs or people related to the IRAs directly or indirectly lending money to the IRAs or otherwise doing business with the IRAs, oftentimes that's a prohibited transaction and that kills the IRA. So whoever asked that question, you really need to make sure if you contemplate doing that, that this is not a prohibited transaction. And if it's not, you should expect there to be some UBIT unless you can cleanse the debt before you sell the property. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, it may be a bigger problem for you there than UBIT, Bob. Uh, let's see. We have another question here, if I can get back to it, flipping back and forth between my various email boxes here. Um, this one is from Mike here in Cincinnati. He says, last spring, I converted a long-term rental property to a land contract under the first-time home buyer tax credit. It was my existing tenant that purchased the property. The tax credit was their down payment. I just realized I have no idea how to treat this tax-wise. I have not received the down payment from the IRS, and I don't know how to move the rental property off of the form that it's on now and consider it a sale. Okay, depending on your circumstances, probably, since this was a rental property, this is an installment sale, meaning you sold the property on payments, and it means you pay the tax over time. For example, let's say the principal on the sale was $100,000, and let's just say you happen to receive $20,000 this year. You would pay 20% of the tax that you would owe on the gain. That's a very rough approximation. There is a form on your tax return for installment sales agreements where you report it. Uh, so you would move it from being a rental property, you'd report it as a sale, and you'd report it as an installment sale. Probably you would qualify to pay the tax over time as you receive the payments. And if you haven't received any payments this year, then there probably isn't any tax to pay for this year yet. Okay. And uh, yeah, I think uh, the the question of what to do about these down payments that are theoretically in process is a good one because I know many, many people who their buyers applied for the first time home buyer tax credit back in March or April, and they still have not been received. So I assume until they're received, they're not taxable, even though it says on the land contract they were made, right? Correct. You pay when received, unless you're on the accrual method of accounting, which very few investors would be on. Under accrual method, you have to pay when something is owed, not when received. But the vast majority of you are on cash method, and there's a very good reason to stay on the cash method. Uh, we've, we've seen a lot of, we did about just shy of a thousand conversions from rental properties into land contracts to get the first time homebuyer tax credit. I'd say right around 70, 75% of those have paid out. So you do get the government money. Unfortunately, they do move at the speed of government with all the efficiency, competence, and excellent customer service you would expect from overpaid union employees who can never be fired for any reason. <laughs> okay, a couple, couple of more questions here. I think we have set off a, a cascade of IRA questions here uh, between your comments, Russell's question, and now Bob's question, because we have another one here from JC that is related to a self-directed IRA. Uh, if I do a short-term buy-sell real estate deal in my self-directed IRA, do I need to pay for things like the marketing of the property and similar expenses out of the IRA in order to follow the proper rules? Absolutely. You, you, you absolutely have to pay for If the IRA is doing a deal, the IRA should pay for the deal. Once you bring in outside parties, the 
particularly if it's you or a company owned by you, you can literally destroy the IRA. For example, if you pay expenses on behalf of your IRA, sometimes that's considered a prohibited transaction, which means your IRA goes poof, the money gets distributed to you personally, and you pay taxes and penalties. Now, if your IRA is partnering with someone who's not a prohibited party, depending on your contract, Dr. Herman's who ends up paying. So lots of facts. I'm real careful about answering IRA questions because they're very, very fact-intensive, meaning if you listen to what I say on the phone and you act on it without talking to someone who knows what they're doing, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Uh, we're going to take another quick break. If you have any questions for John Heyer, a tax attorney from up in the Columbus area and uh, sort of a big, big expert on real estate related investments and the taxes thereof give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 send us an email at askvina at gmail.com wmkv is supported by family bridges committed to providing 24 hour a day in-home hygiene meal preparation and light housework services for family members and friends in need of experienced and compassionate caregivers Caregiver selection and services information at 531-9600 or at familybridges.com. Checking on traffic right now, we have an accident North 71, north of Pfeiffer on the left shoulder. Stayed at Wolfangle, an accident and slowdowns North 71 at Smith, South 71 at Pfeiffer, and North 75 at Paddock, South 75 at the Brent Spence Bridge. Your weather forecast tonight, cloudy skies with a low tonight around 22. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, a high of 32. A high around 32 on Friday, Christmas Eve, and then Christmas Day, cloudy with a high of 28. There is a slight chance of some blowing snow Friday night or Friday afternoon, but uh, no, at least at this point, no accumulations expected this weekend. Right now, we're at 31 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Program support comes from the Manor House Restaurant, located off Springfield Pike on Maple Trace Drive at Maple Knoll Village. Open to the public and featuring a New Year's Eve dinner buffet. Menu features lobster bisque, a chilled seafood bar, several beef, chicken, and seafood entrees, and a variety of side dishes with dessert and drinks. Seating is from 5 to 9 p.m. Reservations are being accepted at 782-4300. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's getting toward the end of the year here. And one of the things we got to get in a row other than our our goals, which trust me, we will talk about in the upcoming weeks, is our tax situation. So I brought in the expert, John Heyer, tax attorney, uh, realestatetaxlaw.com. He is here to answer your questions, your very specific questions, if you like, about what to do in your end-of-the-year tax planning here. Uh, we're getting most of our questions today via askvina at gmail.com. You can also give us a call, though, at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Uh, you might notice that John is often saying, well, that would depend on this and this. If you're on the phone, you can like answer those questions back to him and maybe get a more complete answer. But you can also send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Um, I have a question here from... Uh, Carol in Arizona. This is an interesting one. I have a seller who wants to sell me an apartment building before the end of the year. 
the reason is he's taking a significant loss on the sale of this building, but he has a large gain this year that he can offset it against. The problem is the building is a quarter of a million dollars and I don't have the cash to buy it in the next 10 days. I'm trying to convince him to take 10000 now and carry a mortgage for the balance. If the purchase price is the same $250,000 and we close by the end of the year on this deal, will he be able to take the entire loss this year? Please say yes. Very likely if his accountant is competent. If he, What happens is if he's going to essentially finance the deal, and it's just a short-term financing. He probably qualifies for installment sale, but he doesn't want installment sale because it puts his gain over or his loss over into another year. So he probably, if his accountant knows what he's doing and makes the right elections, should be able to take the loss this year. Has to be structured carefully, should work. Okay. So, Carol, that might be good news. Now, of course, you do not want to go to him and say, John Heyer said it was okay. You want him to go... He <laughs> go can and... always call us and in a properly billed transaction <laughs> and listen to all of his facts and give him lawyerly advice. Okay, but Carol, don't you give him lawyerly advice is what I'm, what I'm trying to tell you. Because if you say, oh yeah, it's all fine, and then his accountant says next year, oh no, it's not all fine. Guess who he's going to blame? It's not going to be the accountant. It's going to be you. So I appreciate your question, Carol. Uh, We're looking for other questions here at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. And uh, also taking your emails at askvina at gmail.com. We have a question here from Steve who does not say where he is from. I should have mentioned, guys, when you send us an email... Go ahead and say, like, I'm Steve from Utah, because sometimes uh, that actually does make a difference. Steve says, Hi, Vina. I'd appreciate your advice on this. I bought my very first note this year and found myself in the interesting position of being able to sell it for a $15,000 profit before the end of the year. Since I've never done this before, I don't even know what tax form to put this on. Can you please ask John? One of two tax forms going to depend partially on what your other activities are and, frankly, where you want to put it. It will either go on Schedule C if you have a trader business, which you may not have enough activity buying and selling notes since this is your first one, or it may go on Schedule D as a short-term capital loss. The nice thing about short-term capital losses, unlike Schedule C income, you do not pay Social Security tax on Schedule D. Given that it's your first deal, you have a great argument that this is a short-term capital gain. However, depending on what your tax return looks like, you might want to see the income on Schedule C because you have other things that will offset. So it depends, but likely you want it on Schedule D so that you can pay normal income tax rate but not pay Social Security tax on that sale. Congratulations, by the way. Hell of a way to start. (laughs) Yes, bought my first note, accidentally sold it for a profit, almost no time later. <laughs> yeah, you got to love real estate. 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. By the way, listeners, I want to remind you that if you go to askvina.com, A-S-K-V-E-N-A.com, you can opt in to receive our weekly e-letter 
And the weekly e-letter always has an interesting article uh, by or about our guests usually and also let you know what the upcoming show is so that you can prepare your questions in advance. I know those of you who are on Eastern time are often in your cars driving home from work when real life real estate is on and you may not uh, feel like pulling over to the side of the road to call in with your questions, but you can always email them in advance when you know who our guest is and then listen to the podcast later on. That's askvina.com. Just go ahead and fill in a little opt-in form there that says it's okay for us to send you our e-letters and we will do so. Uh, We need to go to the phones now. Let's talk to Jane, who's on line one in Cincinnati. Jane, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi. Hi, Jane. Uh, I have a question about the selling the house. Uh, I had two houses for a couple of years because of the housing situation. I wanted to buy another one, so I kept my the one that I had originally. Uh-huh. And then I sold it like two years later for a loss, uh, less than what I paid for it originally. And I was wondering if I could still take that loss off of my income tax this year, well, let me let me ask you a couple of questions, Jane. So, 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 house number one was your primary residence. Yes. And then you moved out of that. Did you rent it? No. Okay, so it was just vacant for a couple of years, and yes. then did you sell it in two thousand and ten? No, I sold it a couple of years ago. Uh, two thousand eight, I guess it was. Two thousand eight. Okay, so, John, the question is: Is it too late to maybe take a deduction there, or can you even uh, take a deduction for a loss when you sell it? Unfortunately, bad news and bad news. You can't take a loss, you cannot take a loss, that is, on your personal residence. And if you were able to, it would have been in 08, not now. So the answer is, unfortunately, you don't get to take the loss on your tax return. Sorry. Next, for those listening, by the way, Vina asked the important leading question. If you want to take a loss on a property that you had as a personal residence, convert it to a rental. You may be able to take some loss at that point. No, oh, if it, if I had rented it, I could have taken a loss. Potentially, it depends on the numbers. Hmm. Well, it's too late for that now. <laughs> yeah. Un- un- unfortunately, yes. <laughs> so yeah, if it, it, it if it had been converted to a rental property, potentially you could have then said you had an investment loss. But I mean, the good news is, John. I think it, the 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 let me say the counterbalancing news is, if she had sold it for a gain, she wouldn't have paid taxes on that either. That's correct. Oh, because it's your personal residence. That's the difference, Jane. Yeah. Well, I bought another one in between. Uh, you know, I bought another one while I I had two houses at the same time, so they weren't both my personal residence. Well, uh, unless you rented them, <laughs> they kind of are. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I know you, I know you didn't live in both of them at the same time, but but still. So are there three houses involved here, or only two? No, just total? two. Okay. Just two. Okay. All right. Well, sorry, sorry, we didn't have better news for you, Jane. I am but too. It, but thank you. <laughs> we do appreciate your call because it is a good lesson for other people who are in your position. And trust me, there are millions and millions of Americans in the position right now that they're. Their home, their personal residence is worth less than it was when they bought it. And that is uh, after talking to your tax expert, of course, uh, you may decide that it's worth converting it to a rental property for a year or so uh, just for the purposes of being able to take the loss against your taxes. Hey, thank you. (laughs) We we do very much appreciate your phone call, uh, Jane. Um, Boy, John, you got to you got to hate it when you got to give people bad news like that. But uh, you know, 
there we are. Uh, okay, got another question coming in here, if I can straighten it out here. Um, how do I, I'm sorry, how can I avoid paying tax on a debt financed instrument that I purchased via seller financing in my IRA by structuring, can the seller carry back be non-recourse? Oh, okay, this is going back to, you had said something a lot earlier about uh, potential UBIT with financing and IRAs, and I think this must be related to that. Did you understand the question? You need me to read it again. (laughs) Basically, somebody bought something with debt financing. Right. Uh, an, p- apparently, seller financing in an IRA. And is there some way to avoid paying tax on a debt financed instrument that I purchased solely? Dina, unfortunately, I, I cannot hear you. Oh. All I can hear is a busy signal from a phone that was ah, hang, hung up or not hung up. Hang on. We've had this happen before. I think we can get it straightened out. Okay. Oh, there we go. Much Aha. Better. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so the question is, can I avoid paying tax on a debt-financed instru- investment that I purchased through owner financing in my IRA? Can the seller carryback be non-recourse? Would that fix the problem? No, if there's still debt on it and you sell, you're still going to pay to the extent that there's debt. So if it's 70% debt-financed, roughly 70% of the profit would be taxable. The way to cleanse it is if you can find a way, if the IRA has other assets it can sell or other cash it can use, to pay off the debt. When you pay off the debt for one year, after it's been clean for one year, free and clear, the debt financing taint goes away and you should be able to sell it without paying any tax. Now, if that's not possible, let's say this is the only asset in your IRA and you only have $15.25 in the IRA (laughs) otherwise, and there's just no way for you to get rid of the debt without selling it, Mm -hmm. you're pretty much stuck with paying some tax and selling it. The good news, because sometimes people deliberately will pay that tax inside the IRA. Why? Because the tax-free deal they can do would make, let's say, $5,000, and the deal they can do paying tax after tax still makes them twenty grand. Now, maybe it would have made thirty grand without the tax, but twenty grand is still better than five. <laughs> mm-hmm. Math 101. All right, John, uh, we literally have like 30 seconds left. Any last-minute tips you want to give to those folks out there who are going, yeah, maybe I better do something about my taxes before the first of the year? Pay everything you can ahead of time. Get those retirement accounts set up. Those are the big ones. I think we really covered it. Get those retirement accounts set up before the end of the year. Even if you can't fund it this year, you can fund it next year and take credit for the deduction if there is one next year. I would say that's the biggest one. You've got a few days left to do it. The pension people will hate you for coming in at the last minute, but you are business bringing money, so they will take it. (laughs) All right, John. Thank you very much for taking time out of your trailer park management to help us with our tax issues here at the end of the year. Uh, Don't forget, listeners, next week is question and answer week, and we will be back then with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. WMKV, Radio Ohio. Let's join Local 12 News at 6 in progress.